0: Welcome to Good Friday Podcast for Speaking for Him. I'm Dan Van Zalen and here's your host, Andrew Gomeson.
1: Hello, Dan. It's great to be with you on this Good Friday. And as you well know, this is one of my favorite podcasts to do every year. If you've been listening for any length of time and I always try to, uh, share this information or this, uh, commemorate this special day in a very, unique way and I hope that today will be one of those times uh, we're going to hear a little perspective on Good Friday from the perspective of the centurion the, yeah the centurion who was at um, the cross of Jesus and uh, let's start off uh, with our, with our quote of the day. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw
0: the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this
1: was the Son of God. Matthew 27, verse 54. All right. Um, before we hear from the centurion, uh, Dan, I would just like to hear a, some a personal thoughts. When Good Friday comes about, what does that mean to you? And what does that make you think about, first and foremost? Well, in part, and though it's somewhat shameful to
0: say this, uh, it's kind of, okay, this again, another year. You know, it's because I was raised in the church, this is something I expect all the time. I mean, uh, you, when you're raised in the CRC, you expect to go to a Good Friday evening service and then get up on Sunday and go to church again for Resurrection Sunday, and then you just kind of do it because it's expected of you. At the same time, when you actually stop to think about it, you have to realize that this is the day God died. He literally died for you and me, everybody else. And this is not something you could just wrap your head around. You know, as a kid, it's like, okay, Jesus died, and he, but he came back again. So, okay, why? <laughs> and as an adult, it's... I really don't understand, but I'm willing to take it on faith.
1: Yeah. And you still kind of ask the same question though, don't you? Pretty much. <laughs> like, you're just, I mean, I, I feel that way too. Like, like you know it as a fact, but when you start to contemplate it as a personal thing and you say, Jesus did this for us, this was the whole purpose that he came was to die. As a matter of fact, uh, Simeon predicted his death and said, your soul's going to be pierced, Mary. You know, basically preparing her for the death of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that when she was standing at the, at the cross, she was thinking about him and mm-hmm. his message to her. So, um, but you're right. I think it's important. That's why I think it's important for us to do these Good Friday podcasts because I, I hope they put us in a good mind to be thinking about the things of Good Friday in a way that's a little more in-depth than just, oh, it's another Good Friday coming up this year. And so that's what what I've endeavored to do um, with this narrative that I have prepared on Good Friday. So uh, without further ado, here is a word from the centurion.
0: My name is Janice. You've probably read about me in the Gospels. Oh, you won't find my name there. And for that, I am glad. I am simply referred to as the centurion. It is fitting, because it reflects who I was, a fierce, hardened Roman soldier. A far cry from what I am today. My father was a soldier, as was his father before him. And all I ever wanted to do was continue the family legacy. I trained relentlessly from the time I was 13. When I was 20, I joined up. I strove to be the best. I wanted to run faster, jump higher, and lift more than any other soldier in my unit. I accomplished my goal, and by the time I turned 28, I was being considered for the post of Centurion, something normally only offered to those 30 and older. On my 29th birthday, I was given command of my own detachment of 80 soldiers and began making my daily rounds. Every day I made them train in things like hand-to-hand combat, sword play, and marching for great distances in armor. That day started normal enough. I went through my morning routine, dressing carefully, and making sure I could see the morning sunlight glinting off my helmet. When I arrived at my post for that morning, I was given a crucifixion detail. This wasn't a surprise, as I had done it many, many times before. The man listed this morning was Barabbas, along with two of his marauders. He had been a rebel and a troublemaker for some time, so I wasn't surprised. The road between insurrection and murder is not that long. I finished some ladders for my commanding officer and headed down to make sure that execution day protocol was being followed. Even though we never gave very much fruit to our prisoners, we gave them even less in the 24 hours before we crucified them. We didn't want to be vomited on. Everything appeared to be going smoothly. Barabas and his friends were sneering and swearing, my men casting the same in their faces. All to be expected. The day passed quickly. The routine, polished from years of practice, went forward without a ripple. That is, until just before sunrise. It was then that I received word that Governor Pilate was interrogating Jesus, a Jewish itinerant inter- <coughs> rabbi. I was a bit confused because although he was a bit radical in his thinking, he had never been violent. The Jewish leaders had wanted him arrested before but had been unsuccessful. There was some intriguing and even unsettling about him. I can tell you this, no man spoke like that man as the sun poked above the horizon a message came from pilate he wanted me to bring barabbas to him when i got to the public courtyard jesus was there he was beaten and bloody pilate was saying <clears throat> to the that the beating was sufficient and he wanted to let jesus go the jewish leaders riled up the people pilate stood Barbas next to jesus and asked the people which one should be released The people shouted, Barabbas! Release us! Barabbas! And just like that, Pilate said he was innocent of Jesus' blood, washed his hands, and turned Jesus over to be crucified. We tried to have him carry his cross, but he could barely stand. So my men dragged him up to Golgotha's rugged hillside, while Simon, a burly out-of-town blacksmith, carried the cross under the threat of his life. As puzzled as I was about everything, I knew that a good soldier followed orders, so that's what I did. I expected the same from my men. They couldn't see any cracks in my gruff exterior. As I watched what unfolded over the next few hours, though, my heart began to soften. Jesus showed love in a way I never would have thought possible. He cried out, not for relief, but asking God to forgive the ones doing this to him. That really spoke to me. I mean, who does that? He took care of his mother, even from the cross. When he forgave the thief next to him, I knew he was righteous. When I felt the earthquake and heard him say, It is finished! I knew he was the Son of God. The next day, I resigned from the Roman army. I took a job as a civilian scribe and steward for my good friend Cornelius. Some saw it as a major demotion, but the guilt in my heart made the change necessary. I just could not be the cold, calculating face of Roman brutality I once had been. One day, upon my return from a long trip, Cornelius spoke to me about the risen Christ. He shared Peter's message with me, and my life was changed forever. Now, instead of being known as a brutal centurion, I am simply Janus, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a title I boast in every day. The Spirit made this dead man alive, and he could do the same for you. My guilt is gone.
1: If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Thank you, and there you have what it might have been like to be that centurion and experience the change in life that may have occurred in him. I always find it significant, Dan, that Jesus is praying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then shortly thereafter you read, truly this man was the son of God. Uh-huh. And so I always wondered, um and I've always kind of hoped in the back of my mind that perhaps someone found him and told him the rest of the story according to legend uh he found the apostles
0: shortly after uh acts or when the holy spirit came down but that's only legend yeah
1: well it is only legend but um you know when some my experience with god is that when people have open hearts he reveals himself to them and uh-huh. so that's the premise on which i wrote this narrative and i hope that it has been a blessing to you this good friday I also wanted to spend a few minutes just talking about the validity of the resurrection. There are a lot of proofs of the resurrection, and one of the biggest to me is the way that the apostles were willing to die for their faith. Um, Oh, yeah. And I just want to talk about a couple of them. Uh, Dan and I were talking about off mic how there was a lot of different attempts to kill the apostle John. He was boiled in eye oil and then was exiled to the Isle of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation.
0: Pit by a poisonous snake.
1: Um, and probably some other things that we don't know about, uh-huh. but he, uh, maintained faithfulness to God. And it's interesting too that even as faithful as he was to God, that he, um, that he still, um, <clears throat> When he was in the presence of Jesus in Revelation, mm-hmm. having a vision of what was to come, it said he fell at his feet as dead. And then there's another part of his book in Revelation where it said he wept much because there was no one worthy to open the book and mm-hmm. to loose the seven seals. And then, um, the angel reassured him that worthy is the lamb who was slain. And that's who we rejoice in today is is the worthy lamb, Jesus, who gives us the victory and who really makes this weekend all that it's meant to be and really makes it why speaking for him exists because without um serving a risen savior there, there would be no reason to come in here every week and share these episodes with you because the hope that I have is the hope of the resurrection.
0: Yep. It is indeed worth noting that, the first generation of Christians, the apostles and all the followers of Christ that he appeared to after being resurrected. Uh, it's worth noting that the Roman F, or the Roman Empire under Nero made an effort to wipe out Christianity. They made an effort to completely wipe it off the face of the earth. And yet not a single one of those people that Jesus taught ever repudiated him. No matter what tortures they were put under. And they were many.
1: Not a single person turned against Jesus, not a one. Well, it's very interesting when you see their devotion, and you also see how Jesus how Jesus' promise comes true because He said, "You will be my witnesses in in Judea, or in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth." And basically, what happened was He used persecution. To drive the church out of Jerusalem and spread them throughout the known world. Oh yeah. And the book of Acts says they turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. <laughs> so my encouragement to you is to know that with Jesus, you can do amazing things. And if you have trusted him as your savior, this Easter or this resurrection Sunday will take on a whole new meaning for you. And I, I hope that, that it will. I mean, Like Dan said, even for us Christians, sometimes it can get rote and, and needs to be re, the flame needs to be reignited in our hearts. So maybe it's just a matter of saying, Lord, give me passion for you again. Fan the flame in my heart and make me desire to seek you more than ever before. And I think that that's kind of what this whole, uh, season leading up to Easter is for so many people. I've never really done a whole lot for Lent, but I think that is the, that is kind of the thing behind it is we want to make sure that we cut out the distractions so that we can focus on Jesus only. And I just remember, um, when Peter, when it's written about the transfiguration, when Jesus and Elijah and Moses show up on the mountain and Peter in his foolishness says, let me build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah and and one for you, and and then Moses and Elijah disappear, and only Jesus is standing there, and God says to Jesus, or God says to Peter, this is my son, listen to him. So, basically, just clarifying to Peter that Jesus is the only one you should be concerned about. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of uh idols, so to speak, or people vying for our attention, but the only one... That we should truly be concerned about is Jesus, mm-hmm. and so and to I Peter's credit—he
0: didn't—he was only concerned about Jesus from then on.
1: Oh, absolutely. the The fact of the matter is that Peter did what we often do, and that is fail. But God picked him up and used him anyway. I mean, even even when he failed on the night of Jesus' uh death, his failure was born out of a desire to succeed, because mm-hmm. he told Jesus before he left, he said, "I'm gonna." I'm willing to go and I'm willing to die for you. I'm not, you know, you can't, I'm I wouldn't betray. you. I wouldn't deny you because I'm going to go and die for you. But you see very similar things in Judas and Peter where they both um, went against their master, but a very distinct difference. Judas was hopeless. He didn't think there was anything he could do to make things right between him and the Lord. Mm-hmm. So he went out and hung himself. Peter went out and wept bitterly and we realized by his restoration later, that Peter chose the route of repentance and seeking forgiveness, and he was forgiven. Mm -hmm. So that should be an encouragement to each and every one of us today. Well, I think that's about all I have time for today, but I just want to encourage you to have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday and a great weekend, and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gommerson, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at SpeakingForHim.com. That's Speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at Facebook.com slash SpeakingForHim and on Twitter at SpeakingForHim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.